Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions. And all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one-line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 203. So I am recording this on September 1st, and it feels like the first day of school. (laughs) Even though I don't go to school, you probably don't go to school. Maybe you have children who go to school, so you're more ensconced in that whole um, level of energy. It just feels like, well, first of all, here in Boston, it's a beautiful day. And second of all, I always say September 1st is like the other January 1st, because it's just a time when the energy is high and when people are geared up to do different things, try new things, set new goals. We're kind of in this push for the end of the year. If you live in a place where there's seasons, I mean, I guess every place there's seasons, but typical East Coast seasons, this is the time of year where seasons start to change, the weather gets a little bit cooler. It's just, there is just such wonderful energy around 9-1. Now, of course, you're going to hear this on September 5th because everything always posts on Mondays. All my episodes post on Mondays. So you have already passed 9-1 by the time you hear this, but needless to say, the energy of September is just fantastic. I have a birthday in September on September 29th. So that's another reason why I love September, as well as my father, his birthday is the day before me. And um, I just have really good memories of September, of course, because it is my birthday month, but also because I remember every year my grandmother and I have, I'm Italian. My grandmother is Italian, was Italian, of course. And I used to call her nanny. And I remember, um, before every school year, I would go to this store with my grandmother and it was called, I believe it was called Two Guys. And she lived in Jersey City, New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And um, she used to take me every year before uh, the school year started to buy a new lunchbox. Now, (laughs) if you're, well, I'll be 58 this year. If you're significantly younger than me, you probably don't remember old school lunch boxes, or maybe you see them on Etsy or you've seen them on eBay. 
they were really, really cool. None of the soft-sided stuff that kids use today. They were metal and they had really cool designs on them. And at one point I was actually collecting lunch boxes as an adult, but that whole uh, process of going to the store with my grandmother, buying a new lunchbox, I just have such great memories of that. <clears throat> so um, I don't know, September for me is just a really special month. What I wanted to do for this episode, you know, kind of piggybacking off this idea of fresh energy for the month is specifically target this episode to new teachers. And I'm really going to be kind of heavily leaning into this over the next couple of months with my program, really targeting new teachers. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do this. Number one, I get so many questions from new teachers in particular. And in fact, the last handful of teachers who enrolled in my program were fairly new, meaning they had graduated from their 200-hour teacher training within the past year. And so one of the things I've had the opportunity to notice is the difference in mindset between a newer teacher and one who's been teaching for a while. And even though as I look at those two groups of people differently, then they might even look at themselves. <clears throat> what often I find is missing in someone who's been teaching for a while is somewhat less motivation to change their approach to teaching, even if objectively they recognize that there's a missing piece in their knowledge base and their skill base. And that's just something that I've noticed. It's sort of like if you've ever heard me talk about a muscle compensation, a muscle compensation is basically a uh, scenario in the body where one muscle, for whatever reason, is not functioning optimally. And because of that, other muscles take over for that muscle. And the body just sort of works around the problem. Um, we all have these muscle compensations, by the way, and it's not until we go to work with a personal trainer or a physical therapist because we're injured that these things come to the surface. And so that's why on some level, this situation, this mindset, this state of mind of, of more experienced teachers that I'm referring to could be something they're not even aware of. What they're often aware of, though, is they're not getting the kinds of jobs they want. They're not feeling the way they want to feel when they teach, they don't feel confident. They don't feel like they're making an impact. They don't feel like they're connecting with their students. However, there for numbers of different reasons, they don't feel an urgency to change the situation. And I think a lot of the reason for this is because when we teach yoga, it's not like there's the yoga police out there who's going to say, you're doing this wrong, you're cueing this ineffectively, there's a better approach that you could be using. There's none of that. Teachers, you know, I kind of, I don't know that this is a great metaphor, but I sort of call it the wild west. Anybody can teach. You don't even need a 200 hour registration level with Yoga Alliance. Most people of course do have that. And even with that, there's really very little, if any connection, or I hate to use the word oversight, but review quality review, any of that happening out there. 
So teachers are teaching, and unless they're internally motivated to improve their skill set, to add to their knowledge base, it won't happen. Now, what I do find, though, is with new teachers, they're hungry. With new teachers, they're keenly and acutely aware of skills they don't have, and they're very willing to do what they need to do to change their situation. You know, if you use that metaphor of the muscle compensation, they're not yet, their body hasn't yet sort of in a, in a not so healthy way acclimated to the problem of the one muscle. Their body's resisting it. Their body's telling them, you know, this isn't right. There's a better way here to do this. And the reason that I know this to be the case is because some of the Facebook groups I'm in where there are hundreds of yoga teachers, almost all the questions are coming from new teachers. You know, because when you get to a certain point, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that, but is anybody really going to have a, you know, is there, is there going to be any consequence to me not knowing? And that's sort of the issue at the heart of it with the yoga industry, like there really is very little consequence. And so it completely falls on the teacher, the integrity of the teacher, the motivation of the teacher to go ahead and move forward to improve their skill set, to improve their knowledge. So having said that, I want today's episode to be really targeted to new teachers. Now, of course, if you're more experienced, it doesn't mean that there's nothing for you to learn from this, or maybe something that is shared will hit home for you. I'm targeting this though to new teachers because this is really a group that's hungry for information. So again, we're looking at a newer teacher as someone who's been teaching less than two years, mostly within the first year of teaching and has already taken a 200 hour teacher training program. So you're within a year of graduating from that program. Now, we're, I want to focus also, you know, there's sort of a distinction between actions to take, skills to have, and how you feel. It's sort of like, I remember somebody, one of, actually, I think this came from, from my business coach. He was saying, in describing um, marketing techniques, he was talking about, you know, oftentimes, if people are dehydrated, they may have a headache. They don't always know though that they're dehydrated. They don't always know that's the source of the headache, but they definitely know they have a headache and they wanna take an aspirin to cure the headache. And they don't oftentimes realize that what would really be helpful is to drink more water on a regular basis, to hydrate more regularly as a way to get ahead of it and resolve their problem of their headaches, their recurring headaches for the long-term. And so this, allows us, this example I just shared, allows us to make the distinction between um, a symptom and the problem, a symptom and the real problem. And this is a really common situation with yoga teachers. They're acutely aware of the symptoms. However, they're not always aware of the problem. And so when I talk about the symptoms as a yoga teacher, what I really mean is how you feel. Because how you feel when you teach is always a red flag or, a, or an indicator of 
something that should be addressed. And it's a matter of how are you going to dig a little deeper to find out the source issue, the root challenge, the root problem. And this is in large part what happens when you work with an experienced mentor, someone like me. I am able to be objective in my conversations with you. So you can describe the, the, the feelings that you're having. I don't feel confident when I teach. I feel really self-conscious when people are looking at me. I can't find my words. I stumble over sharing cues. I have all these thoughts in my head about all this stuff we learned in training, and I'm just not sure how to share it. I see people in different alignment in poses, especially when they don't look really comfortable, and I'm not sure how to help them. Like all of those things I just described are symptoms. There is a way to pull out of those symptoms what the problem is, what the root problem is, and identify some solutions to those problems. It's really hard to do that yourself. It's so much easier when you work with a mentor or a coach. And that's where someone like me comes into play, working with me and my program comes into play. It gives you an opportunity to have someone, not you, hear what you're saying, reflect back to make sure they understand what you're saying, and come up with some solutions and approaches to the issue. Because the bottom line is, who wants to have any of those feelings when you teach? It's not very fun. And in fact, it doesn't help you be an effective teacher. And that's why I say, on some level, as people don't address the root problem, teachers, they sort of get to a point, and this is where that metaphor of the muscle compensation comes into play, where they sort of just accept it. They say, you know, well, you know, I'm always going to feel nervous when I teach. That's just the way it is. I'm always going to have trouble kind of finding the right words for my cueing. That's just the way it is. And they just go on like that. That is their experience of teaching. And I don't want that for you. I want you to love teaching. I want you to feel like I am so confident when I walk into the room. I don't have any concerns at all about what people are thinking about me. I don't feel self-conscious. I feel powerful. I feel like I'm making an impact. I love to be of service. Like that's how I want you to feel. So now that we've defined, you know, a little bit about the distinction between feelings, how you're feeling when you teach and the root cause, the root problem, now I can get into a little bit more of the specifics of some of the suggestions for teaching, for new teachers. So the first one is this, use a standard sequence. So a standard sequence doesn't necessarily mean you're going to teach exactly the same thing all the time. It does mean you're going to have a fairly routine set of poses set up in a particular way, in other words, a sequence, and that's pretty much what you're going to teach all the time. So right out of the gate, I'm suggesting that you embrace that. Don't fight it. Don't fight that, you know, all of what you might be perceiving. Oh, the students are going to get bored. Oh, I'm going to get bored. Oh, it's not challenging enough. Just kind of put all that to the side and trust me. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to trust me here. Trust me that having a standard sequence is going to solve probably 50 to 60% of your problems. Because it's kind of like saying, I'm going to train for a marathon, 
but I'm never going to train in a consistent way. I'm never going to wear the same sneakers. I'm never going to wear the same clothes. I'm never going to use the same route. I'm constantly going to be changing it up. And it's very difficult to start to make gains if you're always changing the routine. And so one of the main things you can do to improve as a teacher, and it's not even really to improve, to build skill as a teacher is to give yourself a consistent consistent sequence that you're going to be sharing. Now, within the sequence, when you get to things like balancing, you may not teach exactly the same balancing poses all the time. It's just that the typical sequence that you provide is generally going to be the same from class to class. And I want you to think about how much time and agony that's going to save you. You are going to get proficient in sharing this sequence. You are no longer going to need to spend hours creating sequences. You're not going to need to have a journal with pages and pages of reworking things. You are going to become expert at the sequence that you share around cueing, around answering questions, around you know all of the aspects of sharing that sequence. How amazing would that feel? How much more... Um, energy will you have for connecting with your class when you commit to doing this? I would say probably exponential new amounts of energy will be available to you. Exponential new amounts of time will be available to you that you can put into other things rather than sitting at your desk with this huge pile of books to come up with a new sequence, a new theme, a new focus every damn week. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing that. So that's number one. Number two, use action and alignment cues only. Don't use anatomy-based cues. And really, to a certain extent, don't even use somatic cues, feeling-based cues. Just teach from action and maybe a little alignment, maybe a little knee over heel, hips over ankles, you know, that kind of thing. But generally, just tell people what to do. Don't even worry about teaching the pose names. Don't even worry about cueing the breath you know, inhale, lift the leg high, exhale, step foot forward. No, no, no. Just tell them what you want them to do. They're going to be breathing. And in those moments during your class where there is a moment or two of just silence, bring up the breath. Remind them of awareness to the breath. But please don't feel compelled to cue to breath the entire time. So action cues are, you know, really clear words that anybody can understand. And you're just going to be using those, you know, step your right foot forward, drop your back heel, reach your arms up, forward fold, lift halfway up, lengthen your spine, bow down, relax your head, root into your legs, reach up high, bring your hands to your heart. So just bam, ba bam, ba bam, ba bam, ba bam, just really clear. You are going to hit your student's nervous system so powerfully, so effectively with your action cues that they are just going to get in flow. And so are you. You're not going to need to be stumbling over your words because you're just going to be sharing action cues that everybody understands, including you. Number three, only use cues that you truly understand and could answer a question about if someone asked. So a good way to test yourself is to record yourself saying your sequence and 
listen back to it and make sure you can stand behind all those things. I mean, this is where that integrity comes up. This is where all that stuff you pick up from your training and from other classes you go to and that kind of thing. If those cues are making their way into your teaching, but they're not your cues, they're not coming from your knowledge, it's going to be hard for you to back those up. So, and when you're teaching from action, like I just described, I know you know the action. I know you know that in part because you're doing the practice, not when you're teaching, of course, but you're a practice yogi. I mean, just about everybody listening to this podcast has a yoga practice and had a yoga practice before they started, before they went to their 200 hour teacher training. So you know the actions. Granted, it's a totally different thing to speak the actions in the context of teaching. However, you know what the actions are. And so it's much easier for you as a teacher to articulate the actions of the practice than to go off into other areas of the different types of cues, alignment, even to a certain extent, anatomy and somatic based or feeling cues. So only use cues that you truly understand because then that is another source of confidence for you. That's another way that you are going to be able to confidently stand in front of your class because you're not just speaking you know, kind of words that you don't know, that you know in your heart, you just kind of picked up or you're just repeating from somebody else. Number four, really, really try to refrain from practicing with your class. You know, certainly if you put a mat down, please don't put it sideways, put it facing them. And if you're going to start out, you know, sweeping your arms up to the sky, maybe doing a forward fold, maybe lifting halfway up, just stop there and then just talk them through the rest of it. If that's something that's helpful for you to kind of get them moving, that's okay. Really try to avoid anything where your hands are on the ground, where you can't see them. If you're going to do a quick demo of a dancer's pose or a warrior one, by all means, be facing them. By all means, that's fine, but just let it be a quick thing. Really, really work to just walk around the room, let them see you, and more importantly, Give yourself the chance to see them because that is going to be the best source of connection for you and the best source of changing up your cues in the moment so they can really hit home for your students. And then the last thing is if you're going to use music, which I definitely don't think you need to do, and in fact, I'd encourage you not to use music in the first year or so of teaching. If you are going to use music though, have music without words and just pick a channel on one of these channels, one of these service music services that you can just put on and play. I've used Pandora yoga music and yoga workout music. And those songs all are free of words. So you're never going to get into someone's head with some, you know, sappy lyric that reminds them of their boyfriend that left them or something sad, someone that's passed away. And you, know, you don't want to do that. So that's why it's really important to use music without words. And then secondly, if you find one of these channels, like the two I just described, you basically can just turn it on and leave it. You don't want to have to go over to your phone and be playing around with your phone to adjust the music volume or pick a different playlist or all of that kind of stuff. That is just very disruptive to you as a teacher and to your students in your class. So to review, you've got standard sequence, use action cues only, use cues that you truly understand and could answer a question about after class, 
try not to practice with the class. I mean, I'm really sort of giving you a little bit of wiggle room here. However, I'm really, really encouraging you not to practice with them at all. And then use a set list that has music with no words and something you can just put on and forget about. Now, I wanna to close today's episode. I know this is kind of a short one. I wanna to close today's episode inviting you to my workshop on the 14th and 15th. We're gonna really go into more detail around cues and also sequencing. I'm doing it two times, so you can pick the time that works for you. I know I have a, you know, some folks that are in different time zones, different countries outside the United States. So I set one for 6 p.m. Eastern time and another one for 2 p.m. Eastern time. So it's September 14th, September 15th to sign up. I'm gonna be posting about it on my Instagram stories all the time. You can DM me for the link or it's on my website. So if you go to barebonesyoga.com, just go to the events page and you'll see the link um, to the workshop. So the events page of barebonesyoga.com, that'll give you the link. <clears throat> and then the last thing is there is a download I have that lists all these tips for new teachers. I'll include that in the show notes. So we've come to the end of another episode, episode 203. Thank you so much for listening. And I really, really look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions, any feedback about the episode. And I can't wait to talk to you again on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you want to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, 
then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus, sharing a little bit and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.